on this week's episode of the Superhero Hour Hour. Will Titans give us the greatest death stroke in TV history? Does Raising Dion deserve a second season? What the fuck is V-Wars? Find out now! Welcome to the Superhero Hour Hour. This is the only show on the internet where we talk about every live-action television show that is based on a comic book or a comic book property. I am your host for the evening. My name is Taylor. With me as always is Ryan. Hey, Taylor. I'm just making a jerk-off motion. It has nothing to do with you. I'm yeah. enjoying everything you're saying. I just think it's a, like a fun little dance to be like, jerk off. Okay, so I'm glad that we can, we can talk about the thing that was happening off, <laughs> off air. Not about you, though. Okay, yeah, you did just make a very, and I have to say, you did it way too slow uh-huh. and way too long. No, I like it when it's slow and long. No, it's, it's I don't get in and get out for jerking off. I want it to take two or three hours. I want candles to be lit, and I want to pretend that my penis is way longer than it is. It it, it was too much too long. It was, Four or five feet. It, yes, you, it was all the way. It was all the way over the table. It, it, that thing's prehensile if you, it's that length. Uh, also with me is Mike. Mike, how's your penis doing? My penis is doing great, uh, short and shriveled, like everybody should be. Yep. And what I like about the jerk off dance is everybody I tells just, them <laughs> themselves. If you if you're doing a jerk off dance, you are hinting at ha- there's there's yeah. little hints in there. Oh yeah, I, it's not it's not exact, right? It's exaggerated, but everyone's <laughs> giving away little details. You call right what's uh, Daniel Craig's name from Knives Out? Daniel Craig. You call oh. Detective yeah. Daniel Craig, and he can figure out how you exactly jerk off. Uh, we haven't talked about Knife, Knives Out, and I would like to talk about that instead of uh, this conversation that we're having. Did you guys see Knives Out? This is, yeah. this is how I have conversations with you is I want to talk about something. So I bring up jerking off and the other thing, and then you're forced to talk about that I other ha- thing. I have to talk about the other thing because I don't like how this conversation started. Uh, Knives Out, very good movie. D- wait, yep. wait, are you downplaying that? Uh, like, are you saying it. not great? I uh, here. I think I want. I want to see it again, uh, but I think uh, people just all over it. I feel like there's there was room for improvement. Okay. I, I feel. I feel like the rest of the family fell away in the middle of the second act, and I would have liked to see them involved more. Do you know what I think ruined my time with Knives Out? Is that before my wife and I went to see it, we got some bad like family news, like uncles or aunts or somebody <laughs> prostates and whatever. And so we decided to, instead of sitting around talking about it, we went to Knives Out. Fucking perfect. Like, perfect yeah. distraction, perfect takeaway. We didn't uh, think about that shit anymore. I, I really like the whole, I think it's good and fun all at the same time. What right? is this? Yeah. It, 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 was a, it was a blast for me. Mike, how'd you feel? It's, I think it's what Ryan Johnson does beautifully. And The Last Jedi, like, throws a stick in the wrench of his flawless fucking track record. It, like I like the Last Jedi, it's fine. But like, right. what he does is, I know all these rules for your genre. Here's just a modern fucking great version of it. And I yeah. like how it dabbled, it danced, but didn't go full Cabin in the Woods. Like right, it yeah. was around that, but didn't go that far. I also like how I call when I jerk off. I say that I'm knives out, and then you can see Ryan Johnson. So God. it does all come together like that. What? And when I say come together, I mean jizz. Ah! 
There's no. I just. I. Uh, I. I thought that we had gotten away from it. But what I, we should talk about though is uh, there's so many like everybody has a couple minutes of screen time where they really shine. Yes. But Anna de Armas from yes. from Blade, Blade Runner, Runner 2049. 2049 is a like I. It's been a long time where the camera has been so infatuated with the actor like this. Like yes. who is she in Knives Out? The nurse, the main character. Yeah. Oh, okay. Just. Like uh, great performance, and goddamn, does the camera lover? Uh, mm-hmm. Wonderful, and I do like that. Like she is the main character, but for like a solid like thirty minute stretch of the movie, like she's not really involved. It was weird to see her uh, not as a thirty foot hologram. I'm not used to that, <laughs> yeah. but I'm gonna argue with her, Taylor. I don't think that she was the main character. Uh, apparently, uh, Chris Evans knitted sweaters. Oh, are yes. the main character that of is, the movie. That's the main character of the movie. Like, because look at that fucking those fucking pecs. He fills it H- out so well. Him in that sweater in that booth at the diner is my phone background, and my wife is worried. Yes, and I love that. It's the perfect example of rich poor because poor people have their grandmas knit that exact same thing. But he probably spent eight hundred dollars on that sweater mm-hmm. easily, easily. Yeah, that is a it's a good sweater. But he he's got America's ass and America's pecs. Who do you guys think shined as far as supporting actors go? Um, honestly, I thought that the, uh, the cop who is not Lakeith Sanfield. Yeah, he got yeah. a lot of great lines. He did a lot, yeah. I, I enjoyed him immensely. You look at that cast, you know who you are, and you're like, I gotta fucking own my lines. Yes. Uh, How- Jamie Lee Curtis, because she's fucking amazing and is great in everything she does. Absolutely. She was fine. How hard How do you think you? it was, uh, for June Diane Raphael to watch that Tony Collette performance? And that's every one of her performances that Tony Collette is just doing on fucking, screen. Fucking Tony Collette, how dare you? But also, we love you, Tony. She, yeah, that's a future pop filter Hall of Famer right there. It, is she not already in? She's not out already in. Fuck off. You guys have been slacking, and I'm not to blame at all. The uh, minute they make a Funko Pop doll of Tony Collette, she'll get in. From Muriel's Wedding? Is there a Funko Muriel's Wedding? <laughs> I'm sure there's, there's probably like a version from uh, Hereditary that we can get. <laughs> Uh, Most of the Funkos are old people on all fours naked. But yes, there is also the Tony Collette one. Yeah. Uh, well, w- we're not going to be talking about that for the rest of the show. That was just a little little preamble, a little just pre-cum. Back to me, little, pre- little pre-cum that we let out. <laughs> uh, but now we're going to move on to talking about the Titan Season 2 finale. But before we get to that, some super serious shishy bullpen. Now we're here in the Super Serious Shishy Bullpen. This is the part of the show where we kick back and have some fun with some steggies. That's what I call segments. We also have some fun with them. That's what I call fun. Uh, This week, we are tuning in to uh, the latest installment of our uh, now ongoing segment, which is our fall 2019 box office movie draft. Fall movie fantasy football. I'm truly trying to... Do you guys like that? Is that going to work? I like it, yeah. Fall movie fantasy football. It's funny because we're so nerdy, we couldn't even play fantasy football. No. We we had to like turn it into pop culture Uh, shit. If you haven't been listening... If you haven't been listening to uh, any of these other segments that we've done, uh, basically what we did is we went through and we drafted uh, the remaining movies that were coming out in uh, the fall through winter of 2019, and we are seeing who has made the uh, lineup that gets the highest box office gross. And we have typically done this in such a style where we have talked about how me and Taylor are just trying to catch up to the godlike S-tier yes, person that is Mike. Yes. Because Mike had Joker. Mike had Joker. And, Brian, up until this point, um, you and I have been within just a hair's breadth of each other. And hair's I assume... Breadth. I assume that that has maintained. Why would life change when it could just stay the same? Of course. I, I assume that only the two of us have 
together at the same rate approached Mike's lead. Is that correct? Fill Ta- us in on what has happened. Taylor, your team. And Taylor, I like, I am concerned about you, bro. I'm nervous yep. that, like, no one has ever been worse at, like, games like this in the history of time. It's, it, here's the thing, though. It seems like moviegoers are intentionally punishing me. Uh-huh. Yeah, the, the, the public has decided they hate Taylor, and they're using their bully pulpit and voting with their dollars to go to the movies he didn't vote it's for. S- specifically, uh, movies that I picked, they have come out, and people have written articles that are going, what went wrong here? How did this po- How did this possibly make so little money? It's insane that this didn't make more money. I remember a Taylor who was like, uh, let's say in our annual Oscar draft, who was like, you know what? I'm going to choose comedy and integrity over winning. I'm going to draft Power Rangers. Yeah. And I'm going to have that. But before we did this draft, you were like, fuck it. I'm going to win. I'm going to try to win. I, no I more jokes. Really tried. Really, Here we go. really shot for the moon on this one. Ad Astra, Rambo Last Blood. Terminator, Dark Fate, and Midway are, have all passed the four-week level, uh, and none of them crossed $61 million. Great. Cool. Uh, the one that you have in theaters right now is Charlie's Angels, one of the most Great. notorious flops in the Great. history of time. Love that I picked that one. Uh, Twitter yeah. lied to me. T- the director of the weekend came out when I'm just proud that I got to make it. That's never a good sign nope. for the creative team. And her last name is Banks. You would think that would be money up the butt. You uh, would think. You have a total right now of $217 million, which... That's, that's, slightly, less than, that's slightly less than Joker by itself made, so if, I think I'm doing great. If Mike and I decided right now to make every one of your dollars uh, three times as valuable, you, I think you would still be in third place. Cool. Great. You, but you do have Bombshell and Cats. Okay, listen. Bombshell, I think, will do fine. Cats is the cats is my fucking it's my north star. It is my only hope. If Bombshell's a flop, it'll gross more than all of your other movies. If <laughs> but so what we're relying on is that Cats, Avatar, Avengers Endgame, they're all in the same world. Like yes. that's what we need right Here's, now. I am banking on the fact that Cats will replicate Les Mis and also bring in every Taylor Swift fan that has ever thought that they loved Taylor Swift. So Mike, you have uh you've been coasting on Joker. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam's Family and Zombieland Double Tap are out. You have Knives Out, which had a great opening. Yep, congratulations. Beautiful I'm Day in the Neighborhood, which was a flop, right? Like, that made almost no money. Yes. Got- I didn't know it was out yet. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. I saw it and deserves to be. It's, yeah. it's two and a half stars or less. And that then 21 sense. Bridges, which was also a flop because Chadwick Boseman played someone who did not exist in history. Ah. Uh. So, Mike, you have Joker and not a lot else. You're at 525. I was with Taylor because I had Dr. Sleep. <laughs> wow, what a pick. Gemini Man. <laughs> oh, fuck. Maleficent. Mal- Maleficent didn't do terrible for you. It was higher than all of your movies, yes. Yes, yeah. <laughs> That's and great. then Ford versus Ferrari, which I have one week left on. It's at 81 right now. Fucking shit. And Taylor, you and I were nervous. Like, we, we, is we, Mike going to run away with this? We were, we were brothers in arms. And then Frozen 2 came out. Oh, yeah. And okay, who cool. would have known that it would destroy the entire box office with <sighs> boffoness? And you know what? I feel bad because I went and saw that opening night, and I went to the expensive theater. I, I, you I, gave that money right to Ryan. I gave, right that, I gave that money right to Ryan. I went to the movie theater that charges more than $20 for a ticket. Frozen 2 and 2 Do we- they fucking blow you? <laughs> no, but they do. Um, if Did you, you pay, ask? I do. If you, if you pay them extra money, they bring food to you. So, that's a fun thing about that theater that I paid so much money for. 
Frozen 2 has made more in two weeks than Joker did in its first four. Cool. Very cool. Very, 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 very and cool. And so I, I moved past Mike. And then I also have left Spies in Disguise with Will Smith and Tom Holland. Great. And Jumanji 2, yet to be added to my entire motherfucking total. Fucking. Do I not have more movies coming shit. out? Mike, you have Little Women. So oh, wh- yeah. You, you're going to clinch it, Mike. That's going to do it. I really believe it. What in is you. the most that Little Women can make? As far as the movie goes, not tiny <laughs> girls. Um, I think uh, $40 million. The most? The most. Uh, no one's going to see Little could Women. Do, this could do 150 right? Absolutely yeah, not. I think it's just a cool 400 mil. <laughs> Absolutely just 100 million a weekend. It's, it's fucking Little Women. Does this open up its own cinematic universe? I, and now we have Meg and Joe going on I, different adventures. I want to point out that we, uh, in a previous ep- edition of this, we looked up, uh, we're like, this could maybe do as good as, as Lady Bird, right? That's the most it can it hope for. And we looked up and Lady Bird made, what, like $29 million? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, yeah, I think this Little Women will do fine for you, Mike. I think you're going to run away with it, buddy. Mike, I have a pro- proposal for you. Right now, um, I'm at 520, or you're at 525, I'm at 545. So we are neck and neck. Taylor has $17.44. <laughs> do we give him Star Wars? Oh, I, okay. what a fucking rude dickwag that is. Okay, well, here's the... Here's it's the, a win-win because if we beat him, he's awful. If he wins, he's awful. Here's what... Yeah, here, I, yes, that's his, no matter what he says right now. Here's here's why I think that you... I would appreciate if you did give me Star Wars. Because um, my, big, my big anchor, my North Star, as I put it, is Cats. And Cats uh, comes out the same weekend as Star Wars does. <laughs> I love how the play and the movie can make no correct decisions. Every single thing they do is stupid. It just, why did I pick the movie? How about this, Mike? We have to move on, and so we don't get to draft again. What if we gave Taylor Black Christmas, Just Mercy, that's the uh, courtroom drama with MBJ and Jamie Foxx, Richard Jewell, the Clint Eastwood movie, and Uncut Gems with Adam Sandler? We give him all of those. Yeah. And you and I split Star Wars. (laughs) And then we're done. <laughs> you know what? I agree with that. You know what? Yeah. Let's do that. You two can split Star Wars, and I will take all four of those movies. You always find inventive ways to insult <laughs> us, and today's was you. Co- you two can fucking split Star Wars <laughs> for all I care. Uh, so yeah, we'll find out how that turns out for me. I think it'll go <laughs> fucking great, you guys. Obviously. Uh, well, now we're going to move on from that and do the thing that this podcast is actually about and talk about the season two finale of Titans. Connor and Garth are under Cadmus mind control and cause havoc at a carnival. On their way to help, Dove, Donna, Raven, and Corey run into Deathstroke and are quickly sighted by a newly minted Nightwing and newly not evil Rose. Taste buds, I ask you this. What is it about Titans and rushing through their fights with big bads? Is this the thing they do? It is. Yeah, they defeated Trigon, the big bad of the f- whole first season and the first 20 minutes of the second season. Yeah. And they were just like... We're friends, so your daddy went and melted away. And Deathstroke is in in the Titans history in the comic book. Deathstroke is their biggest of bads. He's yes. their Lex Luthor, and maybe he's like fucked with them all this season. But in the first fifteen minutes of this episode, his daughter just comes up and stabs him in the tum tum, and they're like, "I guess 
we're done here? Yeah. It's... I was trying to take a step aside and forget about what I had read because what I had read was the final showdown with Deathstroke is this episode. This entire episode is going to be focused on that. Uh, I was trying to remove myself from that and just be like, whatever it does, it does. But no, he got got immediately. Immediately. And this was uh, having not watched any of the other episodes of this season, but having heard that it was significantly better than the first season. I watched this episode and went, really? Is it is it better? Uh, and then I went online and saw all of the reviews and people were like, this is a fucking travesty. What the fuck did they do with this episode? It, like, if you look on IMDb, the ratings, this episode has a full two-star rating below every other episode of the season. So I really? guess I would say, like, uh, built up for some sort of huge, huge thing and then... What, like, got episodes cut from their order? Yeah, like, I don't understand why it felt so rushed. It, I think this is just a thing that they do because they don't know how to build up tension and release it and, in a satisfying way. Like when you're jerking off. If they could do it well, I could make this argument that the show's trying to say this is about these teen heroes' friendships, not about the big bad. That's what's important. But none of that shit is interesting. Yeah. That's the thing, is that, like, I... I, I sort of agree with that, and I sort of remember, barely remember, watching Marvel Netflix shows. And although this was not The Wire, this was yes. not The Sopranos, I sort of enjoyed this more because I prefer for too much to happen than for literally nothing to happen. Right. And I, people who watch the show week in, week out probably went through a ton of nothing happening yeah. to have like a satisfying ending. But what I got, I was like, well, that's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. Well, oh, my God. What is happening? That's crazy. Yeah. But I think my biggest problem with it is that they rushed the fight with Deathstroke so much. And then if if you're coming to an end of a season and you have to kill off a character that people love, like, why just rush through the Deathstroke fight and then make it seem like everything's okay and then kill off this person? Like, why not? In the dumbest way. So Don yeah. Troy, run, like, they're, they're done. So brainwashed Superboy is unbrainwashed. They've attacked Cadmus and Mercy Graves is out of there. And then uh, uh, a tower that nobody's touched at all in our world uh, falls and almost kills a kid while all these heroes just stand and watch, except Don Troy is like, I guess I'll do it. And Superboy doesn't help. It's fucking. Bo- they're bad at being heroes. Yeah. Well, they're doing a thing where like uh, you have to Superboy and Donna Troy. Uh, uh, am I going to start rapping right now? Who knows? Maybe I will. Do. Um, sort of ruin the idea of Titans. Like they are uh, S tier to bring right. that. Like yeah. they, they're, they're, they're too crazy strong. powerful. Uh, Donna Troy can take a punch from Connor and be totally okay. In the meantime, Hawk and Dove are standing in the corner being like, "Oh, they don't look at us. Oh my god, oh dear." Um, but so what they did is they said, "All right, so if Superboy is going to come in, then our other godlike character has to go." That's a good exchange. The problem is, uh, there, it's twofold. One, isn't it sort of worth that kid dying for Donna Troy to stay on the team? Think about how many more people she will save if that kid just dies. Okay, this is a very utilitarian argument. I, I, does that make me a bad person? No, I don't think so. You you make a good point. The, the, it just means you're a trolley. Yeah, like how many how many people could Donna Troy have saved? If she didn't get electrocuted by this stupid thing. But uh, and, that's what makes them heroes, is that they don't make the uh, calculated choice. But if we're heroes, then we can't. We have to know that we can't save everyone. Uh, but we- and, and, and earlier in the fucking episode, Dick is fought, fighting Deathstroke alone, even though his new suit does make him a better fighter than he's ever been. 
and one of the girls got shot. At most, you could leave one other girl with her. The other two, including Donna Troy, just sit and watch Dick fight a guy with little billy clubs while he has all the swords. Oh, they do this full ninja style. Well, is is it your turn now? Uh, Go in. Uh, so Donna Troy dies, and maybe she should have just let that kid die. And the other thing, too, is that I was like, that Deathstroke thing got handled quickly, but I'm sure that they'll slow down. Now, Donna Troy goes from dead to burial to, like, grieving in 13 minutes. Like that's Record should, time. We have to all stand around for a season and deal with Donna Troy's death. Like, that's that. it's heartbreaking. No. In and out. Get, get her Don't. gone. Garth is already cracking jokes about her bad taste in soda at their big Titans dinner <laughs> with Brucey at the end of it. Which, uh, man, do you guys remember Trana Doy? Oh, fuck. What was I already forgot her name. I don't even remember her name. Uh, by the way, this was the first time that I had seen uh, Sir Jorah Mormont as Bruce Wayne. And what a weird choice. Uh, blonde, yeah. first of all. Yeah. It, not big. Yeah. Like not. He doesn't look like he could handle himself in a fight. Right. It's like why that dude is Batman. <laughs> Like he, like he's going out and beating up criminals, like launching them off of rooftops. It's fucking white male privilege. The only asset that that guy has is being white and male, and that's how Rich. we thought he could be Batman. Yeah. The, the, so we've talked a lot of shit on a very bad show. The one thing I will say I do like uh, at the end of it, Bruce and Dick are talking to each other, and uh, Dick is like, "You, you've done okay," and Bruce is like, "You've." said different things at other times. You've screamed and, at me and cried and thrown billy clubs at me. And Dick, and we kind of realized the show's been through Dick's point of view, and he's been like, Batman's like a murderer. He's the worst. But it's, he's growing up. Your dad isn't always bad and a bastard. He just has to do things you don't understand sometimes. Like, that worked more than I thought it could. He's not always a bad man. He's just Batman. <laughs> Guys, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this right now. I don't think this is a bad show. I think that this is sort of better, and maybe it's closer to Riverdale than Watchmen, but I think this is better than a lot of the stuff that we watch, I think, and specifically Marvel Netflix. I think it is, I think based on what I have read and understand, season two was better. I think this episode is not emblematic of that. I think we got little hints of it, but I think this was an episode where they let down the quality of a show that they have improved. And I think that we are getting away from the whole, the whole thing is Teen Titans Go!, to hot topic. Like, I think that we're yes. growing from that. They're not growing away from how much they think saying fuck is cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's more than a Martin Scorsese movie in this show. Um, but uh, I just referenced a scene where Dick is talking to Raven. Yeah. And he's like, uh, well, I'm not going to stop you. And, but, you know, like, we can't change the world. And she's like, well, we have to try. And I realized that, like, every bad show is two or three scenes away, uh, like, cutting them from being like an okay or a good show if we went through and like all of those scenes if we got them gone just cut them out just cut like or like make the dialogue like friendly and subtle yeah but they have to be like well ho ho i'm a superhero and that is what drags it down it's such a fucking bummer uh so we've talked about the overall quality of the show it do you guys if it gets a season three which i don't know if we've talked about this but the the idea of dc universe as a platform is a little in limbo because they announced that Doom Patrol is moving to HBO Max. I, I really, I yes. think it, I think it's only technically in limbo. I think in reality, it is gone. Yeah, I think the moment that they were like, "All right, the best show that people care about is moving to a different service," and none of these. But others, I mean, we'll see what else happens. You never know. Yeah, I, I think between that and them canceling Swamp Thing immediately, I I don't think that there will be a season three of Titans. But if there was, are you guys going to tune in? Do you think that you would give it a full shot and watch multiple episodes? 
nope. <laughs> this is something that I was thinking about the entire time. And I loved how they did the, uh, well, we got to go. We have to go rescue things. Like, we're the Titans, right? And then they all get in uniform, and they all walk slow motion in posse formation towards the problem. Which, by the way, has, ha- has been happening for 10 minutes. And oh, you yeah. guys weren't there. Uh, and as they're walking, Gar is a tiger. He loves tigers. And Crypto run towards. And then it goes to black. I sort of liked it. And then it went to a little, you know, like a typical superhero post thing where some normal mom gets like purple alien in yep. her ear. and She's new, the new bad guy. And then it cuts to the credits, which is we are family, which is so on the nose. But what? if this was a 90s movie, we would have been like, hell yeah, that's the song you use. Absolutely. We are family. I think I sort of want to watch it. Am I the weirdo? I Yes. I don't. I was not blown away by this. I think if it if it does come back for a season three, and I hear word that it has uh, kept up the season two level of quality that it has been rumored to have, or I would maybe di- even made the jump from two to three that it did from one to two. Yeah, if it does that, I think I'm. I think I'm going to at least give it a chance. And like, and that is hard for me to say because there are very few shows that I find myself like, yeah, I'll make more time for this show. It's so crazy. Like, uh. This team is to kids that uh, like X Men was to us. Like they had the yeah. we had the cartoon, and then we all went to see the X Men movie. They had Teen Titans Go, and now they have this like very serious we say fuck show. Does do any of them care? Does is uh, anybody watching this? N- no, no one is watching this. I I was from like right smack dab in the generation of we watch Teen Titans. We love Hi Hi Puffy Amayumi because they make the fucking theme song. Do you know I, what a meatball disaster is? A meatball disaster. Uh-huh. That's cyborg super secret weapon. Oh, <laughs> he just—he's always saying meatball disaster. Meatball. Is- it's uh, just such a good rap name. It really is. <laughs> uh, well, that is all the time we have to talk about Titans. Uh, it will potentially be coming back. We don't have any news on renewal for season three. So if DC Universe as a platform continues, maybe it'll come back. But until then, that's all you get. So we'll find out what that purple pregnant lady is all about. Now we're going to move on to the poll list and talk about every other show that we watched this week. Now we're here in the poll list. This is the part of the show where we talk about every other goddamn show that we watched in this extremely full week. So we're going to try and get through as many of them as possible, but spend a whole bunch of time talking about Watchmen because it deserves it. That's right. It's time to talk about Watchmen. This week on Watchmen, Angela is under the care of Lady True, and we learn about her childhood in Vietnam. Meanwhile, the show isn't brave in us to show us that ma- big Manhattan, big black flu- floppy dick. What the fuck? What, did, do you know what he just said? Yeah, he, the show's not brave in us to show us that big blue black flop, flop, floppy dick. Okay, I got it. I got I'm ready. I'm too excited. Lori confronts Joe in the 7th Cavalry, and Adrian farts in the general direction of the court's justice. Taste buds ask you this. How does the reveal that Cal is and has always been Dr. Manhattan change the story so far? Can I tell you guys a story? What's that story? Uh, Mike, you know, and Taylor, also you know, that uh, I, I'm pretty open with the fact that like something very obvious happened and I didn't see it coming. Yes. I definitely saw this coming. Did you? And I was trying to figure out why, and it's because of fucking Cal's uh, conversation with his children yes. about mm-hmm. straight up, no bones about it, atheism. Yes. And so when Dr. True started talking, I was like, oh, it's fucking Cal. But nobody that's, else talks like that. that it's got to be Dr. Manhattan. That is, I, I figured it out during this episode when she was talking about like, oh, Dr. Manhattan's here. And when she was like, hey, like, why didn't you ask me who it was? I was like, it's fucking Cal. Uh, but 
after that, this is a show that fucking makes me feel like a fucking idiot with how much they fucking like poked it in my face. And the thing that absolutely blew my mind is apparently there was a guy on Reddit who called this like episode three when Gene Smart showed up. And you know how he fucking figured it out? Because of how horny she is for Cal? The, the giant blue dildo. Is uh, there's in the little PDF things on PDPedia. It's the, <laughs> the PDPDFs. The name of that thing, as Dan Dryberg named it, is Excalibur, and he was like, "So this is a representation of her ex, who is Cal Abar." And I oh, his last name is Abar. Holy shit! Yes, but wait, uh, Cal part. And hold and, on, Angela's last name or Angela's grandfather's last name is Abar. Yeah. So Cal's last name is not Abar. No, it, no, Angela's. That's Will Reeves. Yes, but he took her last name, and everyone was confused about that. And it's now been revealed uh, after this episode. They put up the thing that his uh, original name, as he was put into the hospital, was Calvin Jelani, which uh, some people have pointed out makes his name Cal Gel. Cal Gel, yes. Like the Cal original Al. superhero. Yes. <coughs> also, uh, someone pointed out that uh, the movie title Abar, the first black Superman, mm-hmm. uh, is a movie. Also, that there's a uh, episode titled "God a God Walks Into a Bar." Uh, they, <laughs> wow! They have just been fucking with us the entire do you, time. Do you understand that if this was an episode of Movie of the Year, how many points you would have just racked up right uh, now? You you know another one um, uh, is that uh, nuns don't take a husband because they are married to God. That okay? That's. I like that. Also, I mean, the classic one is that typically we're talking about New York being a character, but what if Manhattan was a character? It's Dr. Manhattan. Ah! Here right now. Uh, yeah, so all of those things that were pointed out to me later, I fucking lost my absolute yeah. mind because obviously it was there staring us in the face the whole time, but I never saw it coming. I have and heard... And a really good actor in a bit role. That yes. feels like a hint. And, and a really but, good actor from us, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys recognize him? Uh, yeah, he's the dead. And... Uh, I mean, like, the most, whoever was the old, uh, this guy is gone. Like, he is the most built, rock-hard, absolute oh, yeah. Superman of our generation. Absolutely. And and I always knew that there was something up with him, but I didn't know what, because he's just so kind and understanding and nice. But, like, like he obviously never, like, he never takes the initiative on anything. It's always Angela doing things. You don't understand, like, what it's like uh, to watch a TV show where the wife is like, hey, I'm going to go do this thing. And the husband's like, no, you're not. I'll tell you what to do. The husband was like, I understand you're going to put yourself in danger, and I accept yeah. that. That has to be that something else is going on. It, well, it was also because he's just such a large, built, like, seemingly capable dude, and she treats him, like, and coddles him like a little baby. And I was like, that's, that's a weird thing. Like, what's up with him? And now we know. Uh, also, it uh, I rewatched the first episode recently with someone else because I was like, you have to watch the show. Uh, and now in light of this episode, the fact that they are fucking in a closet and uh, the phone rings and he's just like, the phone's ringing. We should answer the phone. <laughs> and like, that is such a like weird Dr. Manhattan like thing. Yeah, like almost robotic, almost not yeah. understanding. I think it's cool that you showed somebody else this show. Uh, my concern is that after they watched it, you took a hammer to their head just to see if they had that little <laughs> I just wanted to Are see. you him? Uh, so uh, let's talk about the fact that we now have... It, it's insane to think that we have had seven episodes and this is the first time that we've actually gotten backstory into Angela in Vietnam. And yet here we are, and it seemed like perfectly normal that this is, would be the time where we get that information. Do you guys think that we passed peak TV, everything's terrible, Angela trauma? Like, is this too much bad shit for Angela to go through with her present and her past? 
Well, it's not just the present. In her past, so she's Batman because she watched her parents die in front of her. And then her grandma comes out of the U.S. to adopt her and then dies right before she can actually adopt her. This is roof stiff. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it is a real bummer to see. Uh, it, at, at a certain point, it was like almost funny how like much like trouble she had been in. But I think that it will make like her being with Dr. Manhattan like somehow even sweeter. I mean, I, like when the parents blew up, I was like, yeah, that, that makes sense, right? Like yeah. she was born in this crazy place. And by the way, I don't like the, the actress that played young Angela, uh, good actress. I have never seen a cuter child in my entire life. Yes, right? uh, absolutely adorable. But like the, the parents have to die. The grandma who was about to take her out of the orphanage from Annie to America then died. And then I was a little like, all right, come on. But that's, I love that because finally we have something to bitch about on this show. Yes. Fuck you, show. There's a flaw. Fucking perfect. Finally, a little moment to be like, ah, it's not totally perfect. Am I right? Uh, but I still thought that that was uh, well handled. Like in any other show, I would have rolled my eyes so hard. And this was like, okay, yeah, she had a really shitty life growing up. Yeah, I think the thing that I was worried about is the logical point, which I never want to be worried about, about like how, how did she actually get to Tulsa if she's in Vietnam and her ticket to Tulsa is now dead on the ground? Yeah. I don't want to worry about that. Uh, what I want to worry about is how like if that amount of trauma makes Batman Batman, what like this girl is going to be double yes. Batman? And well, that's, that's crazy. I, I was actually during that scene <laughs> when her Batman. when her grandmother showed up, I was like, "Wait, how the fuck did she get to Tulsa?" She said she was already a cop in Vietnam and then moved here, and like I I felt like they were playing with some. Nope, the grandma just fucking dies. Uh, so- a lot of people have been talking about how after last week you have no choice, Taylor. You were you had a kidney failure last yes, week. Uh, unfortunately, uh, kidneys are back to good. Back to good. I'm back in, baby. I gave you one. Mike gave you one. And so we're about to die, yeah. but you are totally By the way, fine. Uh, you guys did not talk about the fact that um, the uh, mustachioed uh, white supremacist was potentially Fred Trump. <laughs> like, legitimately, oh, yeah. legitimately, it, it matches with the historical Fred Trump. But If um, we had seen some hot-ass piece of ass that had that weird Trump mom hairdo, then yeah. that would have... Um, but that was... Uh, we talked about how that was has been declared the Fucking greatest episode incredible. of all time. Uh, so... They're expected to have a down episode, and a lot of people are saying they did. Do you guys I, actually no. feel that? Absolutely not. They, I, not yeah. Be, just because you're not as perfect as the best episode you've written does not mean it's a bad episode. Right. It just can't be as good as that last episode, but it wasn't a significant downturn from everything that came before last week's. It, it, this show can't make me like not be glued to the TV. Like, there, yeah. like uh, Mike and I are on the OCD. There's bad OC episodes. Like, there's so many, like if you have to do a full season, there's gonna be downers. This show is like no. this. This episode was the cement that like cemented like I'm not sure that I want them after this run to make any more of this show. It is so good that I I don't want them to ever do any more. That would be so heartbreaking if we never got any more. I, I think I'd be fine with it. I think I would be absolutely fine because they have. It, it, it seems like such a perfect, like self-contained, but also like expansive and intricate story that does so much in the world of Watchmen. Like, of course, fucking a, an old, the original superhero who has got a guy who wears a black hood and has a hangman's noose around him would be a black man who is taking up the symbols of his oppression. And he wears white face, which is offensive to me. Like that, <laughs> that makes me very upset. Uh, and then this episode, what it did was, I think. 
So each one is like sort of like cementing the themes, right? Yeah. That's sort of how TV works. And we've been dealing a lot with how like trauma is so hardcore that it changes your DNA and the rest of your family and the rest of the country's history will never be able to deal with it. And I think I've been bouncing back and forth between trauma is important and deal with it. And then trauma is not important and don't deal with it. Yeah. And then now I think I'm at the place of uh, trauma is just not easy. Yes. Do the work. Just please do the work to figure it out. But if you do, if you do any of the other things, uh, let it ruin your life or forget about it. Then that's how you're bad. Uh, we are almost out of time, but I do have to. Qu- I do have to quickly uh, address. I'm going to call it now. Uh, Adrian Veidt is Lady True's dad. That is clearly true, right? Absolutely true. That is clearly Lady True. It it it, it absolutely has to be. Uh, Just the statue of him and all that. It, the statue of him and all that, and uh, plus when- he was in. Vietnam, like, banging chicks out. Yes, and that, that is established. And uh, she says, uh, my dad's not here yet. And when he wrote out the message, it said, uh, save me. And then it had a letter D, but the rest of it got cut off. And people were like, that's probably Dr. Manhattan. I think it, he was saying daughter. I think that's probably what he meant. Uh, that, that's what I'm going to say is, is what's happening. Uh, also, 30 to 50 feral hogs made an appearance in this episode. <laughs> Good. Uh, Ryan. Just to make it more 2019. Uh, one thing before I give my moment of the week, uh, Dr. Manhattan being here next week is crazy. Yes. I don't know what to think about that. Uh, I'm stoked, but I do not want him or anything else to take anything away from this being the uh, Angela and Lori detective mm-hmm. co-show. Yeah. Please don't like let anything else come in that like takes us away from that. By the way, uh, okay, so one of two moments of the week is uh, Lori... Fell through a trap door. Yes. Way to be an awesome cop. But this is the first time that like uh, we've gotten back to that one part of Watchmen that always uh, that we always forget, which is like it was a good commentary on what it would be like to actually be a superhero. Yeah. Uh, Lori and Owl Man, Night Owl. Uh, they're they're on a date and they talk about like the dangers of wearing a cape and how so many people die because of the cape and like how bad it is to be a superhero. This was that same thing. Is that like villains have weak creaky trapdoors that you will fall in. My other moment of the week is at the uh, end of last episode, they had a preview where Angela walks in and <gasps> she sees something. Oh my God, I cannot believe what she sees. And what it is is an elephant. She thinks it's going to be your grandfather, but instead she uh, all of her memories are going into an elephant and yep. elephants are known for second only to rock and roll, never forgetting. And so I guess the thing was that like, Elephants already have so many memories. Yep. Why not give them all the rest of uh, the memories? Also, it was pointed out that the logo of uh, True Industries is an elephant from the front. Once, once you, uh, once you know that elephants are involved, you're like, oh yeah, this is an elephant. Uh, Mike, moment of the week. Yeah, I want to set up that Widow Crawford thing. So Lori goes to talk to Judd Crawford's widow, and Widow Crawford gives it up immediately. Yeah, she's like, oh yeah, we're we're huge racists. Cyclops rules. Uh. And then has a, a fuck-up. And this is why the show is, the best show on, is her remote doesn't work. Just like you can't get the TV clicker to work. Yeah. She hits, like, one button, two button, and Lori's just, like, staring at her. Because who knows that that's a trapdoor coming. Yeah. But my actually moment of the week, so she does get captured. Joe also gives everything up. He's like, I'm the head of the 7th Cavalry. It's not what we think. And then he talks, and she's like, exactly what I think. But before he can tell her a plan, she's... 
the perfect Gene Smart line of, please don't fucking, please just don't tell me your fucking plan right now. Don't and do he it. he gets so butthurt. Mm-hmm. He gets so annoyed she has no interest in hearing what he has to say. Do you know how you can tell with uh, white males like that? It's just like, uh, it's just like permanent smile. I'm going to smile at you so hard, and that's going to do my angry thing. The other thing, too, about that uh, with the Gene Smart thing is, and then the Cyclops thing, is that everybody has this mask which is an eye on their forehead. Yes. That, like, that's how they're Cyclops. That's how they're racist. And also, then, Cal, in order to not be Cal, they rip the Cyclops circle, the eye, from his forehead so then he can be the real person, too. All we're doing is taking away the masks of everyone so they can be real and then trying to figure out life. All that we know is that hydrogen is racist. Uh, My moment of the week is the moment uh, where... While watching it, I realized that there are only two episodes left, and therefore there is never going to be enough time to explain Lube Man. And oh he, no! And he, and he will just exist as a little weird thing that happened, and and it will never get explanation, and it will just uh, be a, a fun thing that happened to me. If you tuned in next week and it was an hour dedicated to Lube Man, are I you was, stoked or pissed? I'd I'd be I'd be both. I'd be pissed off because I would find out about Lube Man, but I would be stoked because it means we also never find out any more about Red Scare the man who eats hot Cheetos with, uh, with forks. <laughs> yes. And uh, lettuce on everything. And le- I just need that lettuce. I need, I need that evidence lettuce. Uh, folks, Watchmen is on HBO on Sunday nights. Fucking watch the show. Who's if, not watching this If you're show? not watching the show already, I want to murder your family. Put all of the episodes of Watchmen in a bag of Cheetos and grab a fork. Uh, your next show this week is Raising Dion. On the season or series finale of Raising Dion... The Crooked Man closes in on Nicole and Dion, so Nicole has no choice but to flee the city. Mike, I ask you this. How old would your superpowered child have to be before you were all like, fuck fleeing, get your superpowered ass out there and fight that crooked man? And just seven so you know, months. Dion is eight-ish, eight years old, and oh. you're saying seven months. So, yeah, he should have been fighting crime for years now. Why doesn't he care about his people? Hey, guys, we don't have to talk about raising Dion anymore. Cool. Uh, do, do we think that it's going to get renewed? I, at this point, I'm not. I don't think so. No, nope, right? it's not. Even well, the MBJ couldn't get it done. No. Well, Raising Dion was on Netflix, and you can watch it, I guess, forever until Netflix shuts down. Your next show this week is Daybreak. This week on Daybreak, Miss Crumble thinks she's in a sitcom, and Angelica gets accepted to the Cheermazons. Meanwhile, the kids make a plan to put Principal Burr back in charge, and Josh goes to the roof to find the real Mavis, and it is revealed that Josh broke up with Sam before the apocalypse. Mike, I ask you this. Have you ever met anyone who isn't a typing teacher who is actually named Mavis? No. Uh, if you're a typing teacher, they take away your identity, and you are now Mavis. You have always been Mavis. You're always Mavis. Is this in the 1800s in the West? Because that's also the only other Mavis. Yeah, th- I think it is, actually. That's going to be the big reveal, is that the whole thing has been 1800s in the West, and now we're they're rebuilding society to be what it is currently. My God, based on your intro, the commercial should be from the people who have watched Riverdale. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly what it should be. Okay, but, that would be more clever than Daybreak if that was the commercial. Uh, well, Daybreak is unclever, and it's on Netflix. You can watch it all the time. Your next show this week is V-Wars? V-Wars premiered on Netflix this week, and we, it was me, uh, watched the first episode. It tells I the- did too, unfortunately. Oh, you did? I specifically texted you not to I, do I it. Was, no. uh, there was a specific text not to watch it, Mike. It tells the story of two best friends. Dr. Luther Swan, played by the Vampire Diaries' Ian Summerhalder, who has decided to typecast himself, and Michael Fane, who traveled to a snowy place for medical research. There, Michael gets vampire disease, and Luther doesn't. 
Thus begins the V Wars, where what you do when your bet what do you do when your best friend is a vampire who's openly murdering people and you're not murdering people? Taylor asks you this: Who's in a worse position, Michael, who's a deadly vampire, or Luther, who has a best friend named Mike? Oh, I think I think it's a close call, but I think Luther wins out on this one. And I have to say. You reading that description was wonderful. It it was maybe one of the most disappointing moments of my life because up to this point I have known absolutely no facts about the show V Wars, and, and my, you continue to not know. And in my mind, based on, only on the name, I assumed that it was some sort of virtual wars, and these were people who went inside of computers and they fought virtual wars. You went virtual Ooh, like the VR troopers. Yes, that is what I had pictured, and the fact that it is vampires makes me. Actually furious. You went virtual over vagina? Yeah. Who would go vagina? Mike, we are. I, I did last uh, week. <laughs> you sly dog. Uh, Mike, we are professional, well-paid analysts of television. And so we cannot, we can't do that thing anymore where we're like, why? Why? Who is this for? Why? What are we doing here? But having not read the comic book, what do you think it was about the comic book that we're like, we got to make this a show? Money, because I did a little research. The comic book came out. Uh, in April of this year. What? And it's already a show, which is the kind of thing of, I write the comics so I can get a show. I don't actually care about the medium of comic books. And that kind of shit shows here, and it reeks. What? Okay. I'm going to ask a question from a meta perspective. At Like, how long does a comic book have to have been out before the TV show made, gets oh. made, before we say, fuck you, this isn't a comic book-based television That's show? a good question, because Mark Millar will sell shows before the first issue is even drawn yeah like he just sells the premise and they're like oh wait that's gonna be a comic book in a year uh, we'll buy it so maybe this shouldn't count i well i'm certainly never gonna watch it again it was yeah. the most interesting thing about this show was that ian summerholder who has always had a striking visage uh is now just aging into uglier uh fuck i forgot uh the guy from parks and rec and saint elmo's fire i my mind blanked hard adam scott Oh, Rob Lowe. No. You're talking about Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe. He just, I, I kept being like, is, who, is this Rob Lowe's little brother? Nope. Yeah, there's a point he's where he's quarantined because he has a disease, and he just looks his age. Like, he was 16 for 30 years, and now he's 44, and it's disgusting. Ugh. You idiot. Uh, You're Mike, so stupid. Mike and Ryan, moments of the week? Uh, I will say that uh, it was 50 minutes of boring with the last 10 minutes of cool because vampires came out, and I loved how cool the vampire uh, grabbed a security guard, used him as a shield for bullets, mm-hmm. and then snowboarded from the second story to <laughs> the first story. Yeah. Splattered the motherfucker. That guy split like a sweet potato. Uh, but my moment of the week is Dale Bosio is Dale in this Bozio. show. And Dale Bosio is awful. She's an awful actress. She had, in this episode, she has awful lines. She's always like, "Hey, honey, hopefully you get home soon so I could be your sexy wife." Hello. And then uh, at the end of the episode, and we're supposed to like be rooting for her. She gets turned into a vampire and then dies. And now Dale Bazio, go do different TV shows. This is not for you. Mike, moment of the week. That was also my moment of the week cool. because Bazio turns into a vampire. He stabs her, and then these vampires look human again. When they die, so the cops run in, and it just looks like he stabbed his wife with a fire poker, and I laughed so hard at how distraught he looked. Uh, V-Wars is on Netflix. You can watch it, I guess. Uh, Your next show this week is Batwoman. This week on Batwoman, Alice has the Wonderland gang infiltrate a gala, makes Catherine confess to crimes, and poisons Catherine and Mary while giving away only one of them the antidote. 
Furious at this, Batwoman tries to strangle Alice, but someone impersonating Jacob stuns her and leaves real Jacob to take the fall for murder. Ryan, I ask you this. If the two of you, being you and Mike, were poisoned and offered one antidote, who would get it? I would drink it from my butt. Cool. All right, cool. Yeah. No, hold on. From my butt. I would pour it into my butt, and then Mike had to suck all of it out, and I think that he would. Because that's been his dream for a really long time. Of course. But I think he would leave enough in my butt that uh, it would cure me. And if it didn't cure me, then the makeout session we would have after would definitely cure me. Okay, so you guys are both dying is what you've just told me. Uh, but we did kiss each other in the butt before we died. So well, uh, yeah, well yeah, that's that's beautiful. That's modern Just Romeo like and Juliet. In your eulogy, please mention that. Okay? Oh, I, I'm going to mention that in your eulogy before. No matter what. No matter what happens. No matter how you die, I'm going to mention that. Uh, For some reason, forty I lo- years from now, a heart attack. You say that. Yeah. Uh, Batwoman is on the CW on Wednesday nights. Your next show this week is Arrow. This week on Arrow. Everyone deals with the news of Oliver's death and the news of Lila's allegiance to the Monitor on Lee and Yu, which has somehow revived some old friends and foes of Oliver's from his time on that goddamn island. They go back to every year, and every year they're like, this again? Who knew Lee and Yu would come back? Tasty Ryan, I ask you this. Other than, other than a trip down memory lane, what does this episode bring to the table? Well, I think that we're at the point where, like, if you go on for a certain amount of time as a show, as, like, a genre show, you need this episode, right? Um, Just everybody saying goodbye before all the crazy shit happens. Uh, Game of Thrones' best episode of the last season was the episode where nothing happened except for, like, cheers and high fives. And that's what we got here. So Arrow is done, and now it's just action and crisis from here on out. Yes. And it was organic. It was weird because instead of doing it and at home, they all went to, what's it called, Lian Yu? Lian Yu, purgatory. Uh, they had a destination goodbye. They all went yeah. there and then said goodbye. And I do think that this episode was a little greater than the sum of its parts. It wasn't a great one, but there's a couple scenes in here, man, where woof, I had a bunch of dust fly into my room, and I was totally fine. You're, you're the weirdo wimp. Tell me about those dusty scenes. Was it uh, Mia and Oliver? It, like, they don't care at this point. They don't care about, like, organic screenwriting. Everyone knows what they're doing. And so Ollie runs through, as fast as he can, a uh, William Diggle Mia goodbye. And that's not good TV writing, you know, as, like, as a whole. Mm-hmm. But, like, scene by scene, I thought it all worked really well. I'm glad that I had seen a bunch of Arrow before. If this is your first episode of Arrow, then that's not going to work. This isn't an entry point to the this series? Not, no. <laughs> this is a bad time to come on board. Uh, yeah, the, the 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 William Ollie one was particularly uh, emotional, and then the Diggle Ollie one, Diggle was like, I think he was trying to do a tough guy. It just didn't sell, was because Ollie's like, you've always been my rock, and Diggle's like, don't you mean the best man you've ever known? And Ollie's like, yeah, also that. That was it really it. Really sucked the emotion out of it. That was right. The other part I uh, noticed too is that uh, when Ollie and uh, Laurel were together, I think I like switched who I like more. Like I think that I'm a huge Laurel fan. And I think Ollie's just an asshole. I think I stand Laurel because Oliver's too hardy. Taylor, you want to wrap this up? Yeah. What are, what are your moments of the week? I'm going to go to Mike first while I let Ryan think about what he's done. Uh, a bunch of dudes, uh, ghost dudes that Oliver has killed years ago, come out with guns. And Oliver has a gun in his hand. And they're like, throw the gun down. And he turns around, puts the gun on his hand. 
and then fucking starts firing at them. He did not need to do all the flexing, but he just flexes so fucking hard because he's Ollie Queen. Uh, Ollie Queen. My moment of the week is where Ollie for the first time and Diggle for the first time are being honest with each other. And then Ollie says the thing, and then Diggle says, also, I'm the, like, it was the thing that Mike said. Like, it's not enough, Ollie. Please compliment me more. Yeah. Uh, but I'll move on from that. Uh, so I want to say uh, this episode had big time, full time arrow, which is there's a MacGuffin. We have to build a weapon, and nobody wants to do it because they know if they do it, they're going to miss all the cool, dramatic stuff. So nobody wants to be in there. Uh, again, no Tommy Merlin, and that is awesome. And I never thought that I would like William as a character. And yeah. he is, he's awesome. He grew up. Yeah, well, good. Oh, That's and then the other thing, too. Sorry. Yeah, uh, no, I'm not going to allow it. Uh, Arrow is on the CW. It's going to end at Crisis. So watch Crisis next me, week. Crisis the Claw. about it in Supergirl, Ryan. Uh, so your next episode is Supergirl. This week on Supergirl, Alex and Brainy save Kara from the Fortress's trap. Meanwhile, the agents of the DAO have to propel a Q-wave attack and defeat Khan before Malefic returns to Mars and the Monitor reveals he was testing John to prepare for Crisis and also prepared a resurrected Lex. Mike, I ask you this. If you were to be resurrected, would you be psyched that it was right before something called a Crisis? No. Couldn't you wait like eight weeks and then pull me back? Yeah. Like, maybe, I, maybe I can help with the reconstruction plan, but I don't want to deal with all this bullshit. And the average Crisis is eight weeks, right? We yeah. know that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, average it, it, anything over eight weeks, and you should consult a doctor. That's uh, that really shouldn't be happening that long. Uh, yeah, so apparently Lex Luthor is back, and he's going to be involved with Crisis, but now he's a hero, and Crisis is happening, and that's uh, pretty much you could sum up the end of all of the CW shows this week with Crisis, right? Are you uh, guys excited at all? A little so bit. So fucking pumped. Yes. What do you mean at all? This is all I've been looking forward to. We, so we run an entire spectrum. Uh, Supergirl is on Sunday nights on The CW. Your next show this week is Black Lightning. On this week's episode of Black Lightning, Jefferson goes up against the ASA. Meanwhile, Tobias continues to manipulate Lynn. Taste Mike, I ask you this. Me and Taylor started different companies with the initials ASA. What would they stand for? Yours, Ryan, stands for ass sucks ass because you're really obsessed with two people's butts going next to each other. I love it. I think it's hot. Okay? I think it's hot. Uh, and Taylor's is all squirrels all the time. That's uh, You know what? A-S-A-T-T-M-N-N-I. I am forwarding an LLC immediately after the recording of this podcast. <laughs> all squirrels all the time. Uh, Black Lightning is on Monday nights on CW. Your next show this week is The Flash. This week on The Flash, Cisco and Iris have to use the info secretly provided by Barry before being controlled to defeat Rosso's plan. With his plan foiled, Rosso transforms into a blood monster to kill The Flash, but gets trapped in Runk's prison. Meanwhile, Team Flash then gets ready for crisis while Nash uncovers a wall of symbols before blinding light pulls him inside. Ryan, I ask you this. If you were a boss battle and had a second stage where you turned into a monster after one of your health bars was depleted, what element of monster would you be? Element of monster. So this guy, his he had blood powers, and so he became a blood monster. Like what? What? Like would made of blood or searching for blood? No, he's a monster made of blood. Made of blood. Like Deacon Frost from Blade. Yes, exactly. Like Deacon Frost from Blade. I would say then butterfly knives. If I was just made of butterfly knives, I feel like that I can fuck some shit up. That's a fucking badass answer. <laughs> and you know what? I we don't give points on this show. That's a Greg thing, but I just gave you a point for that. At the Hell end, yeah, of, my man. At the end of this week's Arrow, uh, Harrison Wells came up to a like bunch of symbols, like sort of Shazammy, right? Yeah, like that's mm-hmm. and uh, 
put the right code in, and now he's going to be somewhere else too. Well, it looks like guys, crisis is about to happen. Crisis, crisis is happening. Crisis. What's crisis. going on? Uh, the Flash is on the CW on Tuesday nights. Your next show this week is End of the Fucking World. This week on the End of the Fucking World. Bonnie is busy trying to deal with the ramifications of killing that creepy hotel dude while James and Alyssa are still feeling each other out. Tasty Ryan, I ask you this. What does the show have to say about isolation and loneliness? That it's very hard, and uh, sometimes we know that it's not good for us, but yet we cause it anyway. Like, I think that the scene of this episode is Alyssa and James, Bonnie-less, sitting in a car, wanting mm-hmm. to connect so bad but they just keep ruining it because they're worried about what the other person would say if they tried to make a connection. And that's all so interesting. But I'm having a real hard time trying to figure out what to grasp onto here. Is mm-hmm. is this the most bingeable show we've ever watched, and are we sort of ruining it? Yeah, I, th- I think this feels like truly designed to do that, where the way the episodes are and what the show wants to do, Digging into it, and maybe that's saying it's a bad TV show then, but digging into it week in, week out, there's there's not a lot. They're trying to tell one actual story, not a lot of little episodic stories. But, it, I mean, is there a way for you as a TV critic to give every single episode a B- minus and then give a season an A+, plus? like, is that possible? I think so. I, I think I I would hope so. I would be I hope I would hope I would be that magnanimous the, that the, I could do that. The sum is more than the uh, the the whole is greater than the sum of its parts is yeah. how that phrase goes. Absolutely, and I do like uh, I do think that a hundred percent of people that watch this show besides us do it in one sitting. Of course, you know it, like, right. it's like no one watched that uh, Paul Rudd clone show in two sittings. That was all one afternoon. You just sat down. And watched a movie. I watched one episode at Thursday at 11.30 a.m. Uh, for eight weeks in a row. That's <laughs> the, I'm worried about you. I, the way it should be done. I, I feel bad for you. But no, that had a better uh, tie-in from episode to episode. That, that was more like, uh, had more dramatic lead, lead-ins than this yes. one. This one is relying on us to binge, I think, a little too much. It wants you to p- just shoot through. And assuming that we will. Yeah. It just knows that like this is how right. people work now. So does it feel like every episode is a little bit empty? Like... It needs the the momentum to really fill up the episodes, and part of it might be too that it's thirty minutes long. So like, yeah, right. we're, like we're sort of getting screwed on both sides. Of, like, there's just not enough. To, like, I need more, and I have to wait seven days before I get to watch it again. Yeah, there's like a meta momentum. The whole story has momentum, but each individual episode, it really is. This one is Bonnie goes into a pharmacy. Alyssa and James sit in a car. Like, and there's not no big, like, oh, fuck, at the end of it, so. The only thing that's, uh, I think the only thing that is, like, stringing them together is, uh, which uh, woke-thinking male are we going to meet this week? Uh-huh. And uh, in this episode, we don't meet somebody who was about to, like, uh, rape someone, but we get to meet a pharmacist who uh, is, can't stop claiming that he's woke. It's just about how, like, we don't understand how not woke we are, but I need the, I need the relationships to uh, move on. Yeah. I did like Kevin with an A. Uh, do you guys have moments of the week, Ryan? My moment of the week is that scene in the car where, like, they sort of know exactly how to figure out each other, but don't. And so what they're saying out loud and what they're thinking, because we get both of their narrate uh, voiceovers, is when they're together, that's my moment of the week. Mike? Uh I have two that are both Alyssa-driven. Uh, one is just the line. She's like, you dump me in a letter like a Victorian, which made me laugh a lot. <laughs> That's pretty it's good. It's the funniest line of the season. 
Uh, and then she's really shitty to Bonnie for no reason. And James is just like, I was starting to remember what Alyssa could be like. And then it flashbacks to all the time she was the biggest piece of shit in the first season. It was nice. That's uh, You know she's 30? What? What? Yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, Into the Fucking World is on Netflix. You can watch it all the time. We're watching it week by week. Your next show this week is Stumptown. Uh, in this week's episode of Stumptown, Dex is hired to investigate a case with the widow of a former flame. Meanwhile, Dex and Nick Miller's relationship is put to the test thanks to his new romance with Liz. Taste buds, both of you, I ask you this. Without mentioning names, what was the rockiest a friendship ever became because of a relationship? Are you more often the Dex or the Nick Miller? Nick Miller will be the person who was in the relationship and friends are coming in to fuck it up. Uh, I would be the Dex. Typically, people are... Yeah, I'm fucking it up all the time. Why? And I'm the Nick Miller he's fucking it up for. Yeah. Is it the two of you? Yeah. Listen, we, yeah. we're we two peas in a pod, and those two peas, sometimes they try to fuck up the other one's relationship with a, with a significant other. Do you guys typically go for uh, I believe you friends no matter what, and will ruin good relationships because your friends are idiots, or side more towards uh, there's like it doesn't matter what you say to me, I will continue this terrible relationship for the rest of my life? Uh, I've had the the bad luck of when friends finally get brave enough to tell me, and I'm like, oh shit. They then apologize the next day and say, ignore everything I said last night, and then I don't know what to do with that information. Strike it from the record. <laughs> let it let it never again be spoken of. Stumptown is on ABC. Let it never again be spoken of. Your next show this week and final show, we did it, you guys, is Riverdale. How much time do we have? Well, uh, uh, this week on Riverdale. Everyone goes to therapy they've been needing for five seasons of this four-season show. Betty and her mom deal with their codependency and trust issues. Veronica deals with her daddy issues. Archie comes to terms with his anger issues. Jughead realizes he's a dick, and Cheryl admits she's a crazy person for keeping a dead body in her house, all while talking to the nice, kind lady who is absolutely the VHS stalker. Taste buds, I ask you this. Could it be any more obvious that this lady is the VHS stalker? I didn't think about that until just right now. It's uh, like, but once you think about it, it's obvious, it's, right? Yeah, it, it makes sense that like she is filming their lives and knows a ton about their lives. Because uh, the thing that tipped me off, and maybe I missed hearing it, but Cheryl never mentions the name of her little fetus baby, and uh, the therapist says, "And you think Julian is haunting you? How the fuck does she know that that sibling's name?" I was so stoked to come into this conversation and talk about how Mrs. What's her name? Glurgle? Yeah, Mrs. Glurgle. Mrs. Glurgle is like, uh, but you know, like, uh, Cheryl, there's no ghost. There's no supernatural. Clearly, the show has only done natural, and there's never been anything supernatural. We don't have to worry about that. And I, I thought I was going to take that victory on you, but then instead you figured out the whole fucking cachet it, secret it, it, of the season. If it is uh, not season. her, I will be surprised. And that's been the the v, the... That's the whole in the background the whole season, right? They'll, they'll drop it for well, episodes, but there's somebody stalking them. It's been brought up twice before. My, I think my biggest problem with this season as a whole is that it doesn't feel like they actually have an overarching plot. It feels like they've just decided to do the side plots for this entire half season, and now they're ramping back up to do an overarching plot. But yeah, that's been that's been the closest thing we've had to like a Black Hood storyline. Okay, so then I will say that uh, maybe this season hasn't been great and it will only get worse, but this episode spoke to me. This is uh, this is uh, last episode of Watchmen level great. What? Yes. 
Um, <laughs> Ryan, buddy, what? Okay, let me listen. explain. I I love I love Riverdale. I love it so much. Did you hit your head? What's going on? What? Uh, my jaw was dropped the entire time, and because the reason Taylor that you and I can talk about Watchmen is because uh, I love classic film. I'm just a film fan. You love dirty trash movies that took no talent. Okay, well that seems pointed and mean. And then Riverdale brings us together. The, I I could not believe the impressive striking a balance of wonderful and terrible this episode was the knowledge of how Riverdale works here and we brought in Zoe from Zoe Firefly. 101 what's her name uh, I can never remember the actress's name but it's Zoe from Firefly and everything else and when you're cast on Riverdale you want to be like the screaming bang against the window sort of actress and it said she had to just sit there and take it Everybody in Riverdale came into her office, and they were like, uh, my life is like this, and it's totally fine, that's normal, and you're an idiot, and your degree is stupid, and you're an idiot. And she was like, is your life normal? Can we talk about this? She this, was- is, this is not an episode of Riverdale. This is a fucking thesis paper on Riverdale. This is proving that Riverdale is one of the ten greatest shows of not the decade, not the century, <laughs> the millennium. And not this millennium, all millenniums. Ryan, so tell me this. You watched this episode of television, and you... While I watched last week's Watchmen, and I don't think I watched this week's Riverdale. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) and and you were struck by the the pathos and the the filmmaking ability for the writers to say, we've been writing these characters like absolute insane people for a while. What if we had someone sit there, have them uh, very strongly deny their craziness, and then ask one question and have them all crumble? Scene after scene, you you were struck by that. You thought that okay. that was as good as one of the best t- shows on television. So currently. the way that you're talking to me right now is basically you're being my Dr. Burble. Um, <laughs> what is her name again? My, my name is... Uh, Not Taylor. No, uh, Dr. It's, it's Do- I, I really think it is like Do- like like Bramble Burble or some <laughs> bullshit like that because this show cannot have normal characters. Do you think that she's a bad therapist? Or do you think that she is the best therapist that a bunch of Riverdale writers can come up with? I think she is the best therapist that a bunch of Riverdale. I think she's this, not purposefully bad. No, I think that this episode was uh, an episode where they realized that they have had all of their characters off the fucking rails for way too long, and they were like, "We just got to deal with it. We but, need to. We need to bring everyone a little bit closer to home so that we can prepare for the next half season." And this is the one episode way to do it: send them to therapy. So they called in. Gina Torres, yes. one of the best straight men I have ever seen in the history of comedy, and she listened to what they were saying, and she was like, yeah, things happen, you know, <laughs> this, is, this is how life works, things being happen. a teenager is hard and weird, Every single, the only thing that, uh, besides your whole theory that I didn't think about, was uh, fuck the parents, like, yeah. eventually we have to break away, and not in a normal way, but like, is she somehow paid by, yeah, uh, that that whole, like, she really, like, her whole point was every single one of you needs to be separated from your parents. And that is... What, and, was she giving good advice or was she giving scripted robotic advice? I don't... I can't Look tell. Look at the parents in this show. It's good advice. Yeah, I mean, all the, she she was like right in a lot of the ways, but it when you put it like that, yeah, it was her answer for all of them was you need to leave your parents. Like Archie moved out. Veronica is like away from her father. Betty and her mom are like, but no, no, no. with Veronica, uh, Zoe was like, Hey, you should, like, you really have to cut ties with your father. He is yeah. a monster. And she was like, 
uh, okay, I'll do that. I'll go to Yale. And then the next day, she was like, fuck Yale. Dad, me and you going tete-a-tete harder than ever. Uh, people yeah. think that we're about to have sex. No, we're about to have business sex. Here we go. Genitalia. It, like, this became an episode of Succession where she was like, listen, I know that I am a 17-year-old, but I am going to destroy this multimillionaire in business. And she straight up says to uh, Veronica, because you don't want to leave him. And she's like, no, that's bullshit. And then what she does is say, I'm absolutely going to stay in your life forever, and I'm yeah. probably going to dry hump you at some, t- at some point. Like, what... Uh, <sighs> Guys, come up with a different villain other than Hiram Lodge. Let's go to Vegas and bet. Do you think that this is a Gina Torres one-off, or do you think that she is like an actual villain recurring character? I think she is a recurring... I think she is the VHS stalker, and I think if it's not her, then it's a character that we've never seen. Uh, that, that, is, that is what I believe. The fucking lines of dialogue that she elicited from these characters... Betty was like, hey, mom, can we just forget about prom and brothers and serial killer DNA for one second? I swear to God. Okay, let's do quickly moments of the week. Okay. And my moment of the week is the moment where uh, Betty and her mother are sitting there in therapy with this woman that they have just met. And Betty is talking to her. She's like, listen, I didn't complain when you ran off and you joined a cult and I had to stay by myself. Was that for my best interest? And you sent our sister off to live in a nunnery and then I got sent off to live in a nunnery and I got drugged up by fizzle rocks and almost died and then we had to adopt a bunch of children and also uh, there there were babies that floated and uh, I didn't talk about any of that when we went and killed a cult leader and Gina Torres just sitting there like, she never once went, what now? What's, um... (laughs) What is your what is your family history? What's can, going on? Can like just repeat the seventh thing. But yeah. this is why Riverdale is amazing because Betty lays out a season's worth of plot lines in one sentence to her mom and nothing happens and then Alice who I, who I love. Uh she's like uh, I, I think I just realized that, Betty, I love you more than anybody in my family. Yeah. And then she freaks out, and then it goes to the title screen. After everything Betty said, the crazy thing is that Alice loves one daughter more than the other. We all know that there was a favorite, and it was obviously Betty. Uh, Ryan? Yes. Moment of the week. All right. That was part of it. It should be uh, just Zoe Torres in general. But real I quick, mean, yes. I'm going to say the fact that uh, Cheryl, that uh, Zoe Torres keeps talking to Cheryl even though she calls her a uh, like a muppet and a baboon. Yes. Uh, I think what uh, yeah. What is she? She's like, no, you muppet. Which like, why, 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 why is that the insult you have ready to go for this uh, uh, licensed therapist? And uh, the other mo- moment is that everybody learns a little bit from the therapist, except for Archie, who's like, yes, I get it, I get it, and then goes out and does whatever the fuck he wants. And then Jughead, who she does say like, you know. Your dad's a real person. Should we care about him? And then Jughead actually says, you're right. You're actually right. Yeah. You know what? Jughead has been to therapy. That's what we learned. Uh, That is it for the entire pull list. We made it through in only like 45 minutes. So uh, we really crushed it, you guys. We made it through. Uh, we do amazing work. We do amazing work. Uh, if you like this show, then you should tune in for our other shows, like Movie of the Year, where we talk about movies, or The OCD, where some other people talk about the television show The OC. We talk about what should be movies. 
episodes of the Fuck OC. off. Uh, if you like websites, you should go to yourpotfilter.com or uh, you can go to yourpotfilter.com slash Amazon if you want to go to a different website that is different from the first one but also helps us out on things. Get your Christmas shopping done. Do it. Uh, you can also go to patreon.com slash yourpotfilter if you want to donate regular money for us and not give any to, to Amazon if, if that's just like a thing that you want to do. And I am... You know what? I tell you to do that because we give you extra stuff when you do that. If you liked this, then you'll like even more of it. Uh, you can also go to our social media at, at YourPopFilter on Twitter and Instagram. And you can contact us at contact at YourPopFilter.com via email. Next week, there's not going to be a whole lot Christ. that we're talking about. It's I think it's going to be a pretty low week. I don't think anything important uh, in the universe of... The penultimate episode of Watchmen. Do we just not talk about it? Do we just cut that conversation? Um, no, I think that we just don't talk about anything else that happened and talked about the penultimate episode of Watchmen, wherein uh, Looking Glass, who is impersonating a 7th Cavalry member, pops up randomly. I just have this thing, Taylor. I like. Uh, I know about how like how there's uh, X amount of Earths, but what if there was more than that? What if we didn't know the amount of Earths that actually existed? That sounds like a, a, an infinite number of Earths. That's and insane. what if there was a crisis on all of them? On all of them? That's right. We're talking about crisis on infinite Earths next week, so tune in and find out what happens on all of those infinite herbs that there is a crisis on? Uh, for Mike, I'm Ryan. For Ryan, I'm Taylor. For Taylor, I am the world. Tune out, baby. Pull up your bootstraps and put on a guitar. We're going to the summer of 1972. And we're hey, going to play a song yeah. that's He's gonna just go, for you. He's going to do some sort of weird uh, Here comes the Big Thunder Mountain Railroad and announcer. And now it's time for the babies to do you ever, uh, uh, do you ever suckle up a catchphrase that like, could train. be for you, but like, it should be to Taylor? Coming out of the station right into should be for me, but give World Peace. No, you think of something you're like, that's not actually that's for me. I should probably give that to Taylor. Where we're going. Yeah, but then I forget. To eat chickens with our babies. Throw up your diapers. You know? Throw up the diapers and poop out your nose. And that's not that's not a mic thing. You just have to give that to Taylor, you know? That's Taylor. Yeah. I want it. I want I want my face on a shirt with that wrapped around it. But that's a Taylor thing. Speaking of that, have you been watching TV and movies, which I tend to do, and have uh, have you noticed the uptick in the amount of people who say check please? As like yes. not even they want to check, they just are saying that for some dumb reason. They say it and then they look at the camera and go, see how it goes. <laughs> and it feels like a lot of people owe him money. In <laughs> Canada. Why are they all there? <laughs> they see just, how it goes. Gordo. Constantly stealing stuff from I I will say, fucking cousin Greg from Succession, I'm on you, you motherfucker. I'm coming for you. My you'll hear from my fucking attorneys. That's not who you want to be though. It's it's who Hat News is though. <laughs> Um, guys, uh, I just think like um, with regard to like my my money, I think that um, I look just. We'll see how it goes. I think. Um, what's the uh, What's the daughter's name? Shiv. 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 I. What's her husband's name? Uh, Tom. Fucking Todd. Tom. Tom. I made a comment like a long time ago that uh, me and Taylor's relationship is basically uh, Tom and cousin Greg. I absolutely, I absolutely understand it now. Hey, uh, Greg, if you could uh, help me out on this thing, buddy. And I'm just Rory Culkin being fucking awesome. Uh, very short, very balding, not getting anything done ever. He thinks he's funny, but nobody else likes him. Nobody ever laughs. I like him. Uh, did you watch? Did you watch season two of Mindhunter? Yes. What? Was it good? Yeah. Nobody is talking. To, you didn't even tell me that you were watching it. I I never even. Nobody. No, I think it's there's a series of Netflix shows they just make for my wife and I, so I'm done trying to talk to them because yeah. nobody watches them. I, I didn't finish season one, but I enjoyed the episodes that I watched. 
I, I did the same thing. I loved season one. Season two took a bit of a downturn, but it, it's still, I, those two actors and characters are good. I did I've heard a couple things where season two is way, way, way better. Oh, really? I, I did the same thing with uh, Mindhunter that I did with Westworld, which is I loved every moment of watching season one of Westworld, and I just never finished season one of Westworld and never, and never tuned in for season two. Yeah, but you, I think that Taylor, you do uh, TV like gas tanks. Like, I'm full, and I will now move on with my life. Like, I, I would tapped out. The other thing I've noticed about you, Taylor, in the last uh, five years of brackets or whatever, um, really, n- you trust Netflix a lot. Like, every time the brackets come out, you x out the Netflixes right away. That's because they were so easy to watch. It's it's because I will be. Uh, it, it's every year I will be sick for a weekend. And I will open up Netflix and be like, "That's an '80s movie." I will be like, "You know what? Now will be the time where I finally watch this show that everyone else talked about six months ago," and uh, and that's how I'll I'll do shows. That's that's how I did Succession. I got sick for a weekend and I just watched Succession. Goddamn! I fucking hated waiting a week for every episode of Succession. I I, I think it so much, but like I. I, I'm also sort of thinking though, like binging them back to back to back to back to back. That's too much. Like, isn't that overwhelming? I I ended up, yeah. I too ended much up, bore on the floor. I I ended up sp- stretching it over. I think like two separate weekends. Uh, but I did. Uh, guys, we're, are we still recording? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That's the show.